For daily content, reporting, and much more, follow the pod on Instagram at Bartholomew Town Podcast. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Just your purview as Senate President, it's, you know, you've had a a journey here to get to this point. What's that been like for you as a, as a person? And what is it, what is, how has it shaped you? Well, first of all, I never expected to be here. I had no intention of being Senate President. Uh, when I first came into this building, uh, they gave me the farthest parking spot from the door. <laughs> Siberia. Uh, yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. On today's episode, my year-end interview with Rhode Island Senate President, Dominic Ruggiero. All right, and this is sort of an overview of priorities going into 2020, which I point out right at the front of the conversation, is an election year. And the president himself, he's going to have a challenger in his home district, Lenny Cho. He's got the Rhode Island political co-ops backing, evidently going to challenge the president in 2020. But none of that today. This is more of a 36,000-foot view, looking at the Senate president's priorities and how that may affect all of us as Rhode Islanders. That coming up in just a matter of moments here on the Bartholomew Town Podcast. You know, I really enjoy these days in between Christmas time and the oncoming new year. In this case, the new decade, 2020. Wow, here we come. It's a great chance for us to sort of set our priorities and get ready to roll. And a question that you may want to ask yourself is, where do I get my groceries? Well, let me tell you a place that you should be getting your groceries, and that's Urban Greens. Now, Urban Greens started as a buying club in 2000 with just 22 members. It's now grown to have over 1,900 members with their market on Cranston Street in Providence as the central hub of their co-op. Now, they're proud to support the health and well-being of the greater community here in Providence. They've got composting workshops, all sorts of educational programs, cooking classes with Paul Roselli, CPR classes, and they work with great suppliers like the African Alliance and the Providence Career and Technical Academy right next door. Now, you don't have to be a member of the co-op to shop at Urban Greens. You can pull right into the parking lot off Cranston Street and go shopping. But while you're there, why not ask about membership and all the perks that come with it. Urban Greens Co-op Market. It's located at 93 Cranston Street in Providence, Rhode Island, 401-273-0362. Urban Greens Co-op Market. Proud to support the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Coming up next week, right here on Bartholomew Town, it's the top 19 episodes of the pod of 2019. Stay tuned next Tuesday and Friday, the top 19 of 19 on Bartholomew Town. Okay, without further ado, from the Rhode Island State House, my year-end conversation with Rhode Island Senate President Dominic Ruggiero. Okay, so we're here at the State House, uh, 2019 coming to a close uh, with the Senate President. And the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is Pawtucket. That's where I, I last saw you in person up there on the podium. The governor called it a new day for the city. Obviously, there's you can argue there's a separate track from Paw Sox or it's a, you know, it's a byproduct of the Paw Sox situation. Whichever way you want to look at it, it's happening, it's underway. Your take, just 36,000 foot view on the new development project in Pawtucket. Well, first I would like to say we're very disappointed that we were not able to keep the Paw Sox here in the state of Rhode Island. Uh, we thought we had a very good proposal that the Senate had put together. But um, moving forward, I'm very excited about this new project. I think what you said earlier is true, that I think all the focus that was put on that particular area during the Paw Sox 
um, uh, legislation and everything that went on over there. Uh, I think it created a lot of interest in that particular area. And we feel it's fortunate because we feel that is an absolutely great spot over there to for a stadium uh, and for all the amenities that they're planning over there, hotels and things of that nature, residential uh, units uh, and things of that nature. So we're excited. We're hoping to get moving quickly. Uh, we know that the uh, uh, the developer uh, is a former uh, Brown University graduate, and we're encouraged by that because that's exactly what we're looking for. We're looking for the people who have been here before to see the tremendous value that the state of Rhode Island has and to come here and invest in our economy. Right, and I guess there's two ways to look at it as well. From Brett Johnson himself, there's the soccer aspect of it, which the state has a strong soccer base and youth soccer. I'm a soccer referee and played my whole life, so I have seen that firsthand. It's very robust. And also the idea that Obviously, Pawtucket needs economic development. This can serve as a linchpin. 7,500-seat venue is good for a lot of different things. So there's a lot of different ways to spin it as well, you know, in, in, a, in a positive way. Not sp spin is a dark word, I guess, but to look at it and sort of celebrate it. Uh, that's, that's correct. We always looked at the stadium, not just for the poor Sox, but we looked at it as a multifaceted stadium where you could have other events there. You could have concerts there. You could have... Uh, uh, Interscholastic baseball. You could have uh, uh, any out, outdoor activities, uh, lacrosse, which has become very popular. And I think the the New England area, the southeastern Massachusetts area, is absolutely ripe for soccer. Uh, I saw when they had the tournaments, when they were playing these tournaments, what uh, what was happening down in New Bedford and down in Fall River. And I think I think it's a short uh, it's a short shot right to Pawtucket. And I think that will encourage a lot of people to attend the soccer matches. And one last question, sort of staying on Pawtucket, the train station, and how that might bridge, and it, you're not, you're not, you know, represent Pawtucket, but as the Senate president, I guess it's been in our purview here. So staying there, the train station, and just sort of bridging Boston southwards. Does, how do you feel about that I, in, the, in the role that this project plays in expanding the invitation to those outside of the state to come here? Obviously, I, I, I think the establishment of the, uh, of the uh, rail system uh, on the east, uh, on the uh, Pawtucket and on the Central Falls uh, line, I think that will really enhance uh, a lot of the things that we're looking to do up there. Obviously, we're looking to use cars less. Uh, obviously, we're looking to use mass transit, <clears throat> excuse me, more uh, bus transit and things of that nature. So I think that's that location over there for that particular site will really facilitate what's going to be going on in that area in the very near future. Exciting stuff here, no question about it. It certainly is. I mean, there are naysayers, of course, um, but seems less than you would expect even post 38 studios I, I think uh, I think a lot of people uh, felt badly that the poor Sox left and went to Worcester I think some of the people who at the time were against it probably are more favorable to it now mm -hmm. I think that's why we hear a little less about this particular development although it's a small subsidy on the state's part uh, the developers coming in with about 300 million dollars of his own money uh, so I, I think that encourages people, and that's probably why you don't hear about as much resistance as, as you heard from the, uh, uh, from the poor Sox uh, during, during that time. Yeah, people have moved on, so to speak, and have reevaluated their priorities on it. I think reality has set in, and I think people know that there has to be something done in that Pawtucket area where that apex is and everything over there. It's absolutely right for development. 
I mean, it's right on the highway, in and out, uh, access is easy. I just thought at the time that'd be great for, for that particular stadium and all the amenities that we're going to go up around it. Uh, so we're going to get another shot at it, and hopefully we're more successful uh, this time than we were last time. Last question. You've been inside. I know I said that a moment ago, but uh, you've been inside some of the huddles. Do you get the sense Apex is going to be acquired, or is this going to any feeling whatsoever? Well, I, I, I don't know in particular, but I, I know there's a mechanism by which it can be acquired. I understand that they're talking with the owner. I think that he's more amenable than he has been in the past, from what I understand. So we're going to see how it progresses uh, as we go forward. All right. 2020, this will air shortly after Christmas, so a few okay. days away from now. It's an election year. Whether or not that changes priorities, obviously, who knows, you know, but the reality is what there will be a session, there'll be a legislative session, and it It'll be after a year of some shifts within the body, broadly, both sides of, of the institution in terms of getting Reproductive Health Care Act or Privacy Act through. And it seems like there's more of a progressive voice, so to speak, inside the chamber. Do you get the sense that you have an organic balance of voices inside the Senate and how will you use that going into 2020? Uh, you know what? My leadership team has a great relationship with uh, us, our senators in, uh, in, the, in the Senate body. Yeah. Um, we listen to what they have to say, uh, and, and we, we have our hearings accordingly. Uh, a lot of times they request hearings. We'll grant the hearings, and uh, we'll see what happens as a result of it. We have no pre preconceived notion as to what goes on here until we look at the legislation bill. Because, I mean, you can change one or two words in the legislation and affect the whole meeting of the, of, of the legislation itself. So uh, we have a great relationship, I, I think, with a lot of our, our progressives, people who are labeled progressives in the chamber. And uh, we just look to work with our, our members and, uh, and uh, try to make legislation better. So I, I think... Uh, as far as sitting down and, and, and talking with people and working with people, and sometimes it might be a little more difficult in the House because they have 75 people, sure. we have 38 here. It might be a little easier for us to do that, but that's what we try, and, and we've been pretty successful. What are some of your priorities personally going into 2020? Well, obviously, uh, our top priority in the Senate, I'll tell you that right now, is education. Uh, I think everyone knows what's happening in the state with the scores. They were not what we uh, felt they should have been. Uh, we have a new education commissioner who's taking a look at Providence, which has a lot of, a lot of issues in Providence. Uh, but obviously, we're looking to uh, do some education reform on a state level, and hopefully that will filter down to all the cities and towns throughout the state. I mean, a standard curriculum, yeah. uh, things that people can really rely on. So uh, one person doesn't go from Providence to North Kingstown and have an entirely different curriculum uh, that, they, that they have to face, and that will delay graduation and things of that nature. So uh, we've done that. Uh, we we're looking at uh, what's happening down at Ride. Yep. We feel that they should be more efficient down at the Rhode Department of Education. They should be a little more efficient. They should not be a regulatory body. Uh, they should be a policy-making organization. Uh, so we're going to be looking at that this year. We're looking at Massachusetts to see what things they've done great and some of the things they haven't done great. So we feel that we can pick some things off uh, right away that, uh, that will help us in our endeavor to uh, move education forward in this state. Uh, so that is one of the biggest priorities. Of, of, that is our biggest priority this year. Uh, secondly, we're worried about the housing situation. Uh, we do have money, uh, bonded money. We'll, I know uh, the governor... Uh, is thinking about uh, putting another bond on this year. Uh, we've, we have about $20 million left, but that money has already been committed, from what I understand. Uh, so we're looking to get, uh, we're looking to do maybe a referendum on, uh, on uh, 
affordable or low, low income housing uh, this year. And w the referendum would for raise the required amount of affordable housing in each community? Yeah, something it, like it, that? It, would, it would designate, uh, not necessarily in each community, I mean, that's, that's a story for another day, but yeah. as far as floating the bond and encouraging the cities and towns to go forward with uh, low-income housing uh, to fill their housing needs. So right. uh, that's, that's, that's a little more intricate uh, uh, right now, but uh, that's, that's... At least it's a priority. It is, it is a priority, yes, it is a priority. Uh, we've been uh, meeting with a lot of the senior uh, organizations throughout the state. They're very concerned about the cost of prescription drugs, uh, mm -hmm. as, as we are. So we're looking at uh, different avenues where we can lessen, lessen those costs. We want to see what the federal government can do as far as allowing us to maybe purchase uh, some uh, drugs from Canada and, and, and other places who have the same uh, safety restrictions that uh, we demand in this country. Yeah. We're looking at uh, at that particular proposal at this point in time. Anything that we can to reduce the cost of uh, prescription drugs to our seniors and 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 to all our citizens in the state because it, they they just keep going up. Uh, so that's that's uh, the three things that I think we're going to focus on this year. Probably some health care, I would guess as well. Health care. We know. got the ACA, uh, Senator Miller's ACA bill. Uh, uh, we're looking for health care for all. Our health care costs in the state have dropped. It doesn't really, uh, that does not normally happen throughout the uh, throughout the country. So we're kind of pleased with that. So uh, we feel that uh, everyone should be afforded uh, health care, uh, you know, because of the great expense. So that's uh, uh, that's that's another thing that we'll be working on. Uh, uh, we're working on a whole bunch of things. Uh, obviously, we're concerned about uh, uh, we're concerned about economic development, and uh, we have an aging population uh, in this state as far as workers. So uh, we need to fill those jobs in order to attract uh, some of the businesses that we're looking to attract to the state and create some create some jobs and create some business opportunities uh, for for the business community here. So right. uh, that's certainly a priority. The, I mean, the wheel, so to speak, of education, business opportunity, workforce development, housing. It's all interconnected. It really is. It's, uh, it's, it's all interconnected with each other. So uh, that I look at that as part and parcel of what we're trying to do and how we address that. And you know what? I, I say it all the time. Uh, I, I work with great people here, and, and, mm -hmm. and they have, uh, they're very experienced. They're very intelligent. Uh, I got engineers, I got lawyers, I got uh, a whole bunch of people that, that, that I can ask for their opinion and, uh, and uh, they're always forthcoming. So uh, we have a pretty good situation here. We're going to look at that. Uh, obviously, we're going to look at uh, uh, 3D guns and ghost guns uh, because those are not traceable. Uh, we passed that legislation last year, uh, Senator Coyne's legislation. Uh, unfortunately, it, uh, it didn't... Uh, it didn't pass the House, but we're going to come back with that this year because we think that's very important. Yeah, I was surprised that didn't pass. I mean, it seems to me, even if you're, you know, vehemently pro-gun rights, that there, there's an area where you would give some compromise to use common sense. Yeah, I, I think there were a lot of questions about it, a lot of misconceptions about it. I think the picture is a little clearer this year, so we're, mm -hmm. going, to, we're going to move forward with that particular initiative. Let's talk about, in, in the last few minutes here, your experience here. I mean, we're in your office here overlooking... What is it, Boscov's now? Got to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just your purview as Senate president. It's you. You know, you've had a, a journey here to get to this point. What's that been like for you as a as a person? And but what is it? What is how's it shaped you? Well, first of all, I never expected to be here. I had no intention of being Senate president. Uh, when I first came into this building, uh, they gave me the farthest parking spot from the door. <laughs> Siberia. Uh, yeah, and I was, uh, I was in the house at that time, and I kept that parking spot until I became Senate Majority Leader. 
because I always wanted, wanted to remember that. Uh, but, um, I mean, I spent four years in the house, and uh, those were absolutely great years. I got to learn about the goings-on over there, and then I had an opportunity to come into the Senate, which I did, and that was in 1985. And it's been, uh, it's been an interesting run. Uh, I probably held just about every position other than uh, a chairman of any committee. Um, and uh, I, I, I mean, I, I just love the issues. Uh, and I have great constituents. I've been in that, uh, uh, been in that area my whole life. Uh, they're very supportive, and uh, people ask me, uh, when are you leaving? I said, well, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's up to so you. I'll leave, I'll yeah. leave when, I, when I leave or when right. someone decides that I'm going to leave. Uh, but it's, it's, been a, it's been a great run. Like I said, mm -hmm. I work with great people up here. I had great Senate presidents for a long time. I got along with them very well. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, just a, it's just a good situation. So feel good about Rhode Island today. You know, there's there's always going to be the oh well, the Wexford building is only half full. People, you know, even though it's only been five months, so it's yeah, Bill. You know, you know what? I always said, uh, you know, feel the dreams. If if you build it, they will come. And yeah. you really have to have the type of marketing where you can get something. Even though Wex, the Wexford building isn't full yet, I mm -hmm. I anticipate that it will be. And if you look around that area, there's a lot of interest and development over there. So I am extremely optimistic. I know we fought the wars with the, we had the credit union crisis. We had uh, uh, 38 studios. I, I know that has a, a negative impact on what people are thinking. But you know, you have to get by that. You have to move forward uh, and, uh, and 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 move on and try to do the best you can. Right. It does seem like that would be something we could get as a state stuck on for a few more generations. To be honest, you know, at no, this point. Hopefully not. Uh, but I think Rhode Island has a, has a lot of opportunity in Rhode Island. I think it's a great state. I think when people come here and see Rhode Island, they're really impressed with what's happened over the years. Uh, so I think uh, I think we're in a pretty good position. I mean, we're, we're, we're centrally located between Boston and New York. Uh, I, I think we have a lot of potential in the state, and I think you're going to see uh, that potential come to fruition in the next, next couple of years. Uh, last question, not asking you to endorse anybody or anything like that, but are you concerned about anything going on at the national level now obviously there's going to be some concern but with respect to the impeachment and more so just looking at the democratic field right now do you feel like the party is in a healthy place on a national level uh i, I think i think the party's in pretty good shape and i think we could see that as a result of the uh, elections in the house of representatives this year yeah. i don't know what's going to happen with the senate i'm not sure if the uh, democrats can take over the senate I, I i know there's a lot of disenchantment with the president of the united states uh, I mean, I don't know where that situation is going to go down there. I, I would assume mm -hmm. that the House is going to move on the impeachment issue. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see the Senate taking any action, so I don't really know what's going to happen down there. Right. What really bothers me down there is their inability to get anything done. And it's really affecting some of the states, and it really gives us, it, 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 it really hurts us as far as knowing what's going on down there so we can plan for the future. Uh, so it's it's kind of a crazy situation down there. There's gridlock all over the place, and uh, obviously nothing's going to shake out until the next election. Right, and hopefully we don't lose the, you know, go from 3.8 to 2.8 or whatever billion dollars via the census as well. Right. So there's that aspect of it, but, right. you know. There's, there's a lot of moving pots right now, so we'll, we'll have to sit back and see what shakes out. And, and uh, hopefully it doesn't hurt our efforts here because I think we're heading in the right direction. It's just going to take a little time. Yeah, beginning of a new decade. Yep. President Ruggiero, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you it. very much, Bill. As always, thanks so much for spending some time here on the pod. Remember next week, the top 19 of 19 
on the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Until then, we'll talk soon.